This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode contains content that may be disturbing to some viewers. Hi, I'm Ellie, and I was addicted to self-harm. I guess I will start in the beginning because that's a good place to start. Um, growing up, I had a great childhood, great parents. Um, they're middle school sweethearts, Aww. and they've da- been dating ever since. They're still married, like in love. That's so sweet. And I've got a younger brother and a younger sister. I'm the oldest. Um, and like my entire family is great. Like my aunts, my uncles, like my grandparents were all really close. Um, so I never had any like family issues growing up, which a lot of people assume if you struggle with like mental health and stuff, like maybe you don't come from a great background. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the case. We weren't poor, but we weren't rich. We were like middle class. Like my dad, he's a he works in the ministry and my mom's a baker. So oh, that's cool. um yeah, they're they're pretty great. Um yeah, I I guess I didn't like I was normal healthy all up throughout elementary school mm-hmm. um and then I would say in fifth grade that's when things started to change a little bit I noticed my mood started to go down but I literally had no idea why like, like did I you just feel like dep- like sad yeah, yeah like I would just lay on the ground and stare at the ceiling after school like just all the entire rest of the afternoon um mm-hmm. But I had no idea, like, what depression was or anything. Like, I just wasn't sheltered from it, but, like, I wasn't exposed to it. I mean, also, you were so young, too. Yeah, and I wouldn't – yeah, I didn't really know what that was. Like, my idea of mental illness was, like, a cartoon character rocking back and forth in, like, a padded room, you know? Um, And, yeah, I I was also a very angsty preteen. Like, I would talk back to my parents all the time. Like, I was not fun to be around. Yeah. Um, And I always thought I was right, which I feel like every preteen kind of mm-hmm. acts like that. Um, And, yeah, whenever I would get in trouble, I would, like, you know, they would, like, take my Lego set away or something. And I would, like, fight it. And I would, like, talk back the entire time. And so then they'd be like, okay, you're not losing it for a day. You're losing it for two days now. Mm-hmm. And I would continue fighting it. And then eventually it'd be like, you're losing your Legos for a week. And then I would be like, obviously upset by that because I could have lost them for a day. But of course I had to be stubborn. Mm-hmm. And so then I lost them for a week. So like, just like that situation. And I, I think this is kind of when my self-destructive behavior started. Because I would, like, stomp up the stairs and then, like, slam my door but then catch it before it slammed so I wouldn't get in trouble for slamming the door. Mm-hmm. And then I would, like, take a pillow off the bed and, like, throw it across the room. Like, you know, when you're angry, yeah, you would. But for me, that, like, didn't get rid of the feeling of, like, just frustration. Right. And so I would – I, like, started hitting my legs and, like, scratching myself. I didn't know that was a bad thing. I thought I invented it. I mm-hmm. thought I was really creative. 
Um, And yeah, it was just kind of something I did when I was angry um, instead of throwing stuff across the room or whatever. Um, Like, did that make you feel better when you would do that? Yeah, it it felt like I was like, because I could physically feel the result of my anger. So it kind of like satisfied it for some reason. Okay. Um, And yeah, I remember one time I did that in front of my dad. Like I like hit my leg when, when I was in trouble and he was like, what are you doing? You can't do that. Like, don't do that. And I was, I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, you can't, you can't do that. And so like I started hiding it. Also, mm-hmm. I did not know what self-harm was. Right. Like I was. Like that was just your unaware. way to like, yeah, mm-hmm. get out of your frustration. Yeah. Um, also, another thing I want to say is like any level of self-harm is like you should probably get help. Any yeah. level of it. It doesn't matter like how intense or anything. Like I needed help when I was just hitting my leg versus later on when it became more intense so really any level needs help it's it's all valid right um because in a way like that's how it started for you yeah and it's a progression just like any other addiction is Mm -hmm. like it progresses and you really don't have control over it even if you think you do um sixth grade came around and I decided to be like really anxious about school like I hyped up sixth grade in my head and I would like freak out. I would wake up at 530 every single day, even though my school started at like 815. I would wake up at 530, um, get ready like really fast. And then I would just sit on the couch and like wait because I was so scared to of being late to school. Mm-hmm. Um and then I would like yell at my siblings because of course they rolled out of bed like 10 minutes before school because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just get so anxious about it. So I stopped eating breakfast because I thought if I ate breakfast, then I wouldn't have time to get to school. Um, and I also, I struggled with an eating disorder, but I'm not going to get too much into that because mm-hmm. that would be a whole other conversation. Yeah. Um, but it does like correlate some. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I struggled more with depression and anxiety. I would like wake up in the middle of the night in sixth grade and just like pace around my room, worried about my two math assignments that mm-hmm. I had, um, was still hitting myself when I was upset and also when I was like sad and I think it progressed from like hitting myself to using scissors in sixth grade once again didn't know anything Mm -hmm. um I thought I invented this concept yeah um because I like cut my nails one day and so like scratching myself like was not doing it and Mm -hmm. so that's when I started using scissors so it's a progression um for sure and were you using the scissors like on your legs or my arms okay Mm -hmm. but like it wasn't like necessarily drawing blood Mm -hmm. it was just kind of superficial right like it would the scratch would like fade in like a day got it um so I really didn't have that much to hide Mm -hmm. but I would still like wear a cardigan and stuff 
Um, and then, yeah, my eating disorder also progressed, but it was like all accidental. Like I wasn't like consciously yeah. being like, okay, I'm not going to eat. It just kind of happened. Right. Because of like the anxiety and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also I got grossed out by the school cafeteria food. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm not putting this in my mouth. Right. So I stopped eating lunch too. And then my parents, they, they both are very athletic um and they they have great relationships with food like I couldn't have asked for better Mm -hmm. um and but they are also runners and so they wanted me and my brother to be fit as well like not like pressuring me to be athletic they just wanted me to like do a sport yeah be active yeah um so my choices were cheerleading or cross country I didn't want to do cheer so um I did cross country and so I would not I was not eating lunch or breakfast, and then I would go run, and so I would eat dinner. But my dinner would consist of like little Debbie cakes. Like I, like I would just stuff my face at the end of the day. Um, this kind of continued out throughout middle school, I would say. Um, you know, seventh grade sucks. I feel like it sucks for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of like friend drama because there always is. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I started using self-harm to cope with that. I would say between sixth and seventh grade was when I figured out that like self-harm was actually a concept and that I didn't invent it. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you figure that out? I stumbled across this random YouTube video. Like I don't even know how I stumbled across it. Um, But it was about this girl and she was talking about how she had been Mm self-harming and her school saw and then um it was reported to the school and she got like sent away to like a mental hospital mm-hmm. and that freaked me out yeah because i was like okay so i'm crazy mm-hmm. and no one can find out about this because i'll be sent away and my parents will find out and my entire family who i love and i don't want them to know this about me so it kind of like freaked me out um yeah and the depression got worse in eighth grade and my depression is genetic which Mm -hmm. i didn't find out until later okay that it does run in my family like pretty strongly Mm -hmm. um also addiction like my grandparents um great uncles like the upper part of my family struggled a lot with alcoholism Mm -hmm. my dad has never drank a sip of alcohol in his life not because he's like oh it's a sin but because he knows that he would be an alcoholic. Right, like the history yeah. of it. Yeah. So he doesn't drink alcohol at all. My mom will drink like a truly mm-hmm. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And there's also been like suicide in my upper family. Not anyone I've known because there were, that was before I was born. But just like a history of mental illness that I didn't right. find out about until later. Yeah. Um, and eighth grade it progressed I started using pencil sharpeners um was hiding it was mortified of getting caught mortified like my biggest fear and I had a really close friend in seventh grade and eighth grade um I'm gonna call her Kate okay and Kate got really close with this other girl and I'm gonna call her Jamie (laughs) Um, so Kate and Jamie got really close in eighth grade. 
And so I like didn't want to lose Kate. So like I joined their friend group and it was becoming a lot for me to hold in. And so I like wanted to let them like tell them. And so I did. I had a hard time like verbally saying the words Mm -hmm. like I self-harm or like I cut myself. Like I couldn't say it out loud. Mm -hmm. And I like was like, guys, I have something to tell you. And Kate was just like, is it that you cut yourself? And I was like, um, yeah, maybe. Uh, so they already knew. Yeah. They figured out the summer between like college or not college, high school mm-hmm. and um, eighth grade. But they promised they wouldn't tell as long as I tried to stop and all that stuff. I was like, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I didn't think it was going to be an issue. I was like, I can stop. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It was not fine. <laughs> Um, it became something that I, that went from, I was doing it maybe like once a month to like every week to like every few days to in ninth grade, I started doing it maybe like three to five times a day. And then did it kind of escalate from, from being something that you would do when you were like sad or angry to just doing it just because? Yeah, it, it really did. Um, there would be some mornings where it'd be the first thing I did when I woke up. And it, it's, like, weird for, like, people who don't understand to, like, try to understand why. Mm-hmm. But it does release, like, what's the word? Like, chemicals or mm-hmm. whatever in your brain um, to make you feel better. Yeah. So it it is addictive. And I also struggled a lot with dissociating in ninth grade, like, I just, like, didn't feel grounded ever. And so that was something that helped me, like, kind of ground myself. Um, yeah, I would carry around, like, this little container in my pocket that had blades in it and, like, some Band-Aids in my pocket at school. Um, and, like, some days I would go to the bathroom and do that at school. Like, it – I was relying on it. Mm-hmm. Um there was not a day that went by that I didn't do that. Yeah. And I, like, tried hiding it from my friends, but every once in a while I'd be like, yeah, I'm kind of struggling with it. And they kept saying, you need to tell somebody, like, someone needs to know, which I knew that. Like, I, if I was my friend in that situation, like, I would have done the same thing. Like, right. you guys, you need to tell someone, like, this is not good. And I was never suicidal or anything. Which is another thing people often think is, like, if you self-harm, you're probably suicidal. Like, you want to die. I never wanted to die. I just didn't feel good yeah. all the time. And I that was one thing that helped me feel better. Right. It was like your way of like coping mm-hmm. with life in a way. Yeah. Because I never I never drank. I have never still – like I've never drunk before. Um, my friends, they'll drink every once in a while. But like they don't let me drink mm-hmm. because I have a very addictive personality. Right. Um, and I've never done drugs or anything like that. But this was my form of that which I didn't realize at the time, but it's pretty similar to, you know, coping with alcohol or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also harder to stay away from because it's your own body. Right. That's your coping mechanism. And you can, like, avoid alcohol, but you can't avoid, like, yourself. Right. Um, It's, like, more accessible. Yeah. Almost, too. Yeah. And towards the end of like in December near Christmas break of freshman year, 
Um, it was the last day of school before midterm exams. And my two friends um, were acting kind of weird that day. And I was just kind of playing it off, like joking around with them, like, y'all are hiding something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got called into the office uh, last block. And I was like n- freaking out. Yeah. Because I had always freaked out whenever an intercom got called. Because I was so like, I had built up in my head that you're going to get sent away. Like you're going to, you're crazy. Like if the school finds out from that video that I watched in sixth grade, I was still thinking about it. Um, so I remember I was walking to the front office and during this time I was telling myself, like while I was walking, you're being ridiculous. Like there's no need to be anxious. Like this is just something stupid. There's no way they found out, like stop freaking out about it. And I went to the office and they were like, yeah, I go to the school counselor. I was like, you're freaking out. They probably just need you to sign something. Don't be anxious. Um, and when I got there, she was like, have a seat. And I was like, okay, <laughs> this is not good. And she told me that my two, she didn't mention who it was, but I had only told two people. So she was like, yeah, some of your friends came forward and they're concerned about that you're self-harming. And I was like, yeah, maybe. Um, kind of struggling with that. She told me later that I literally looked like a ghost. Like I had gone completely pale, which I'm already pale, but like mm-hmm. I, I had gone like white. Yeah. Um, you were in ninth grade? You said yes. Yeah. I was like 14, 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and they called my parents in like right then. And she, my parents came and sat down on the couch with me. And she told my parents and my mom was like holding me and like crying. And my dad was just like, okay, what do we need to do next? So you don't think your parents had any idea? No, they had okay. no idea that I was struggling with anything. Um, it like broke my parents. And the main reason I didn't want them to know, it's not because I was afraid they were going to be upset. I mean, they weren't going to be angry. I knew that. Um, but it was because I knew they would be hurt by it. Right. Because they loved me so much. And that it would really hurt them if they knew I was doing that to myself. Because um, my dad's the type of dad that like, didn't want to get didn't want me to get my ears pierced because he didn't want like damage mm-hmm. to be done to me. And he got upset whenever I would scrape my knee. Yeah. So that was like really overwhelming for them. And what's like kind of ironic about all of this is the entire time I was sitting in the office, like getting caught, I had my blades in my back pocket and my band-aids in my back pocket. Like that's really weird to think about now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they told me I couldn't come back to school unless I went to like a few different doctors and got cleared for suicide risk because I was a liability. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also I had to go to four mandatory therapy sessions. And so I did, I, we ended up going to like five different doctors because I kept getting denied. They kept telling me we can't clear you like you're a liability, like if you like do kill yourself, then we'll like get sued. Really? Yeah. This was therapists or no? Doctors? This was doctors. Okay. Um. But then, like, where would you get help then? Yeah. So we went to a bunch of different places, like a bunch of different doctors' cares and stuff. Yeah. Um. Because I had midterm exams the next day. Like, did they want you to go to like a mental hospital instead? No. Of just- so they just wanted me to like the doctors to be like, yeah, you're good. You're not going to kill yourself. Okay. And then I also had to go to therapy 
like four mandatory sessions. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the doctors didn't want to just clear you. They yeah, wanted, they okay, didn't they didn't want to clear me because they weren't yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um but when I finally did get cleared, it was like really not a fun experience because they made me like strip down and they like looked at all of my self injury and then they were like, Okay, yeah, you're not gonna kill yourself. Like you're good. And then I could take my midterm exams. So um And I was, this is a weird dynamic, but I was not mad at my friends, but I also was. Like, I knew why they did that, and I knew that if I was in their situation, I would do the exact same thing. Um, But also, at the same time, it's kind of like a betrayal still. Yeah. Because it's like your secret and, like, your trust still got betrayed. So I was hurt but also not angry, but also angry mm-hmm. all at once. Um, but I, they were afraid that I was never going to speak to them again. But I, we like rekindled like two days later. It was fine. We're not friends anymore, but not because of this situation, mm-hmm. just other stuff. Um, yeah, so I didn't, I stopped self-harming like then because I was scared that I was like going to get caught and sent away yeah, like you didn't want it to get yeah, worse than what Like it I was. didn't want to like I was on my last straw type situation. Um and at this point was did you have like a lot of scars on your body? No. So at this point throughout middle school, I this is another thing. I thought I was so smart. Mm-hmm. I was like, if I just do a bunch of like more superficial self injury, then it won't scar and no one will ever know. Um, which changed later. But so at this point, I had some, but not much. Okay. And I wasn't self-harming on my arms anymore. It was more so my hips because in the summer, all I have to do is wear shorts with my swimsuit yeah. and no one would ever know. It was easier to hide. Yeah. I could just say I was being modest. Um, yeah. So it was pretty, it wasn't that hard to hide at this point. Um, I avoided my parents for a while after that because they really wanted to have like a deep conversation with me. Mm-hmm. I was like not having it. So I would not stay alone with them. Like if my mom was in the kitchen, I would not go in the kitchen unless one of my siblings was there because I didn't want them to be like, let's talk. I just didn't want to do that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And during this point, my eating disorder got pretty bad. So I kind of switched coping mechanisms over. I had been struggling with my eating. Um, and, And eating disorders are another thing that are genetic in my family. Like my mom had one in college. Um, which I didn't know till later, but that's another thing. And I was never like overweight or anything. I was, I'm always, I'm a small person. I'm five one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just kind of was a control thing. Uh, yeah. During the summer between sophomore and freshman year, I was not, not thriving. Um, I wouldn't drink water. Because I was afraid if I drank water that I would bloat. Like, I was shoplifting diet pills um, and taking, like, way more than I should. Uh, It gave me a permanent, like, hand tremor that I still have from, like, all of the, you know, like, whatever's in there. (laughs) Who knows what's in those? Um, And, yeah, I just was scared to eat. I wouldn't, I was scared to drink water to take my diet pills because it would make me blow. Like I just was not, not in a good space. 
Um, that continued throughout the summer. Sophomore year was the worst year of my high school experience. Um, so my friend, so this was in 2020 at this point. Um, so 2020 was the end of freshman year, the beginning of sophomore year for me. Um, and we did go back to in person, uh, at the end, like Mm -hmm. sophomore year, but we were all wearing like masks and there was like borders between desks and stuff, but we did go back in person. Um, and my friend Kate, she was struggling a lot with anxiety. She always had really bad anxiety, which I don't, I don't have anxiety anymore. Like it was just that one, like sixth grade moment where Mm -hmm. I was anxious, but I don't have anxiety. Um, but she was really anxious and it would make her like nauseous and she like had a really hard time coming to school. And so like in the middle of that, the fall of sophomore year, she decided that she was going to do online because we had the option. If you wanted to do online, you Mm -hmm. could. And she was like, I'm only going to do it for two weeks. Like I will be back two weeks later. I'm going to do it for a few more weeks. Like I'm going to be back. Don't worry. Um, and it just kept going on. She never came back. <laughs> she came back junior year, but she never came back sophomore year. Um, and I was like so worried about her. I guess I was anxious about her, but I was like very worried about her um, because she wouldn't like hang out with anybody. She really wouldn't communicate. I was the only person that she texted. My other friends would tell me that. They're like, yeah, she doesn't respond to me, but me and her would text and that we, I was her like her closest friend during that time. Um, yeah, I relapsed in self-harm at this point. And at this point, um, it was more, more intense and I still have scars like all over because of that. Um, and it was because I was sad because of, um, I almost said her real name, Kate, Um, but also it was just kind of a habit. Yeah. There was a lot of times where I did it for no reason other than to just do it, which is weird, but it was just, it had been such a part of my life for like four years at that point. Um, so it was habit. And she and I, so I do aerial silks and me and her would do that would do that together. We would do like a class a week. And that would be the only time I would see her since she didn't come to school. And she got like really skinny because of her anxiety because she would throw up because she was anxious and all that. Um, and that like freaked me out. I was super worried for her. But also my eating disorder really like got triggered by that because I was like she's she's losing weight like I need to lose weight like which is messed up but you know eating disorders are messed up um and yeah so I started purging um at this point um not consistently just like every once in a while and then I was really just not having a great time so I told my parents I was like I want to be put on medication um did you tell them that the that you were cutting again no okay I never told them 
Mm-hmm. There was never been a time where I like outright told them I'm cutting again. Okay. They've always just kind of found out. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I didn't tell them that. And so I got put on medication pretty quickly. The dose got upped. Um, I'm still on it. Uh, and that was, was that just for your depression? Yeah, just okay. antidepressants. Um, I don't know if it necessarily sent me into like, a manic phase I'm not quite sure how that works but like I was off the walls when I got put on it at first now I'm fine but initially the first like month or two I was making decisions and choices and doing things that I would not usually do um it was a stressful last few months of sophomore year I got caught for cheating on a Spanish test which everyone was cheating on, but that was when I got caught. Mm-hmm. Um, so my parents were mad about me, were mad about that. And then there was this guy, and his name is Jake. For this, his fake name, <laughs> yeah, his fake name's Jake. Um, and he and I were like really close family friends, and he lived in my neighborhood. He would hang out with. My younger brother and I, my brother's only like two years younger than me. Um, His younger sisters were really close with my sister. Our parents were really close. We would go on family vacations together. Um, I had known him forever. He was in my grade at school. And I just kind of saw him as like a cousin. And I never, I never saw him oh you're cute like I've never saw him like that because the way he would talk about girls it just kind of icked me out Mm -hmm. like he was always like really lovey-dovey about girls he liked and I I never liked that and so I never viewed him like that um and I would say from January sophomore year to like May Looking back, there was a lot of signs that he was trying to, like, have sex with me that I just didn't see. Mm-hmm. Because why would I think that, you know? Right. And you weren't viewing him that way. No. Yeah. And we were always hanging out with my brother. Like, it was never, like, me and him. It wasn't like that. Um, it was more so that, like, I was third-wheeling their friendship, almost. And he would – he was just weird. He would say – like sex yes or no but not like asking me if I wanted to have sex just saying sex yes or no and but he would say it like in front of my brother and so I was just like does he mean just the concept of sex Mm -hmm. um and so I'd always be like yes and like my brother would be there too and be like yeah and I just thought it was weird and then he just started asking like yes or no and I'd be like I don't know. And then I would find like notes around my room that said yes or no, that he had left in my room. Um, So that was weird. And I just thought he was odd because he was like kind of quirky. He told me later, like after, but I didn't know at the time that we had gone on a family vacation in January to go skiing. He... And we had stayed in two separate condos, like, right next to each other. 
he had snuck into my condo in the middle of the night and I was sleeping on the couch and he had tried to wake me up, but like I was zonked, like I was not waking up because um, he wanted to have sex with me in the middle of the night. He like snuck into my condo, which is creepy mm-hmm. <laughs> to think about it. Yeah. Um, and he told you that? He did tell me that. He thought he told me that thinking it was like romantic and I was like, okay, right. <laughs> that's not normal. Um. So in May, he he had a girlfriend also this entire time. He had a girlfriend. So I was also not thinking that he was trying to flirt with me because he has a girlfriend, you know? And I've known him since I was like five. Um, in May, towards the end of the school year, uh, he he lives in my neighborhood. He lives like three minutes like driving. He was like, I'm coming over to your house. My parents weren't there at the time. It was just me and my younger sister. Um, And I was like, okay, it's 10 o'clock at night. He drives up. I'm in my pajamas. He tells me to get in the car. I do because I trust him. Um, And then he like pulls over in this random parking lot. And he like tries to do stuff with me. And I didn't say no, but I was like, I gotta go, like, my parents are coming home. Like, I just made up excuses. I was afraid to say, like, stop or no because I, my mindset was, if I said that, that would make things awkward because we're family friends. But I, like, quickly told him, I was like, my parents are coming home, like, we have to go. So I kind of interrupted it. Um, It was not mutual. He took me back home, dropped me off, Um, our parents found out because he had been texting me beforehand, really suspicious stuff, but I just wasn't aware. Mm -hmm. Like he asked me my top three people and I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, top three people you would hook up with. I was joking around. I was like, oh, like the homeless person down the street or the random person. Like I was just joking. I'm like- said like random people obviously a joke he said number one and he put a random like emoji and then number two his girlfriend and then number three another girl in our grade and once again thinking he was joking we like had a joke that he had a crush on Zac Efron Mm -hmm. so I was like oh my god I knew it you're in love with Zac Efron he was talking about me Mm -hmm. um and he told me that later but So his parents read those texts and saw him say, like, I'm coming over. And they told my parents. And so then our parents freaked out. I was so, like, uncomfortable with the situation that I didn't actually tell them what happened. He said nothing happened. He said, like, nothing happened. That was not true. But I was just like, yeah, nothing happened because I didn't want to say. I just figured it'd make things more complicated. Well, our entire school finds out. I don't really know how, but they do. And he was pretty popular. Like, I, I went to a private school, um, so it was pretty small. We ha- I graduated with a class of like 100 people. Um, it wasn't like 
small, small, but it was a pretty small school. And he was pretty popular, friends with all the guys. Everyone liked him. He was really charismatic. Um, obviously, his girlfriend was upset and she broke up with him, which is funny now because me and her are now best friends. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. Um, but at the time, she hated me. She thought I was like a whore, mm-hmm. which I had not even held hands with the guy at that point. I had my first kiss in sixth grade, but it really didn't count. It was like truth or dare. Yeah. Um, so really innocent. I was really innocent. And yeah, he told everyone just the most creative lies you've ever heard. Mm-hmm. He told everyone that I forced him to come over to my house and that I had gone to the uh, store and bought condoms. Did not do that. That was you because you were the one that pulled out condoms while we were sitting in the car. He said that I had slept with a bunch of people before um, and that I was like a sex addict. And he told everyone that I had slept with 26 people and everyone believed him. And like I was, I had an innocent reputation beforehand. It's not like I had this wild... I, I was a pretty quiet person, you know, just went under the radar. But everyone was like, yeah, for sure. Like, I'm so sorry, Jake or whatever I named him. Like, that sucks. You lost your girlfriend and you got manipulated. Like, that's horrible. She's like mm-hmm. really manipulative. Which looking back, I'm like, why did everyone believe him? Because that's, it doesn't sound real. Yeah. It, none of it was believable. Um, and so everyone hated me. Um, his girlfriend hated me, like everybody. And I, during that time, I was, I I never stopped self-harming, but it got more intense during that time. And I started cutting places I don't normally do. Um, which left and result like more obvious scars, which before I would keep it contained to just my hips. Um, but it spread more and that was a pretty rough end of the school year. Um, my parents like kept trying to have talks with me, like ask me what happened. I didn't want to talk about it. They were upset, then mad at me. And I just shut it all out. Um, yeah. So that summer, for some reason during this, like my high school and middle school experience, Summer was all the t- the, always the time where I relapsed with my eating disorder. So that happened during the summer. Um, then junior year, I'm going to be honest, I literally don't remember junior year. Like, I don't remember a thing about it. Nothing really substantial happened. I was pretty seriously self-harming, but for really no reason, just because. Um... And so the summer between senior and junior year, I had some pretty severe self-harm scars all over my legs. And I, my parents knew that I had relapsed every once in a while. They knew that. They knew I had scars, but I didn't want them to see them because one time, um, Yeah, one time between sophomore and junior year, my dad, 
like I was tanning and I didn't have my shorts on and he saw the scars on my hip and it like broke his heart and he didn't intend to be so dramatic about it but he's a human and it really hurt him he like didn't eat all day long like he was super like heartbroken about it and so after that I was like I'm not letting them see my scars ever um so (laughs) the outfits I wore between junior and, and senior year summer were very unique like I was wearing anything I could to cover my legs um and where I live like it's hot right it is hot and I would wear pants to the beach I would not go to the beach I avoided a lot of family of family situations because I didn't want them to see um my mom kept buying me like creams and stuff for it but none of those really worked um and senior year which was this last school year I didn't relapse but the summer between junior and senior year I did outpatient treatment for my eating disorder because I have an addictive personality so I replace one coping mechanism with another um so I stopped self-harming between I think this was junior year but I started like purging a lot more and restricting and so basically you were just going back and forth yeah it really just went back and forth or I would self-harm if I was mad at myself for eating something like it really connected yeah a lot in a lot of ways um and was there any reason that like there would be a shift or it really just depended it just depended okay it I like you go through phases sometimes yeah it was it was weird. And yeah. then I would go through phases where I would restrict really heavily. Mm-hmm. And then I would go f- through phases where I would binge and purge really heavily. And that was also a phase that kind of went through. Um, and I went to a summer camp between junior and senior year. And I was supposed to be there for a month um, working. And I had to leave two weeks in because I was spiraling with my eating because camp food is not necessarily the healthiest. I, it was just a hard situation, like having your food, you don't have control over what you're eating. Like you just get sat at a table and they give you your food that you're going to eat. Um, I was like sneaking away and like purging during that. So I called my mom and this was the first time I'd ever been like, mom, I'm not good. Cause before they just kind of figured it out. I was like, I, don't think I can stay here for another two weeks. That would not be a good idea. And she was like, okay, you're currently in Colorado and we're going to have to get you a plane flight back here. Um, and she trusted me. She didn't make a big deal out of it. She booked a plane ticket. I navigated the Denver airport by myself <laughs> and I went back home and I went into an outpatient treatment and I had a lot of like Zoom therapy sessions, Zoom, all that stuff. And was that strictly just for the eating? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this entire time I had like everyone convinced that I had only like relapsed once sophomore year, which in reality it was like every few months at this point that I relapsed and then did it pretty consistently then stopped and then it was just kind of like a cycle. 
Um, I would say senior year was probably the year that I focused most on recovering. Um, I started a new medication for ADHD. It's a non-stimulant because they wouldn't put me on a stimulant because of my eating disorder. So it's not super intense medication, but it did lower my appetite. Um, and so I wasn't necessarily trying to lose weight. It just kind of happened. And yeah, I, I didn't relapse with self-harm. I have, I've been clean for a while. Um, but I, so I'm going to college in the fall. So like this month, um, and I was cleaning out my room this summer and I, it was really weird. Like I was completely cleaning out my room and I found a bunch of stuff that I, my past self had like hidden. I found like pencil sharpener cases that had no sharpeners in them. I found a bottle of old pills, like diet pills. I found blades just hidden around that I had forgotten about. And it's sad looking back because like I was really innocent and I just thought that this was okay. And I didn't yeah. realize there was anything wrong with it. And like a way to get through it. Yeah. Um, and I had been consistently doing that for like, I can't do mental math, but all of high school mostly and all of middle school. And so even now, even though I'm clean, I still will feel urges whenever slightly anything goes on like anything, um, any sort of extreme re like emotion, my first instinct is to think about hurting myself, which I haven't been doing. Now I just like distract myself a lot. Um, yeah, I'm I was going to ask yeah. you, like, how did you recover from that? Yeah. Honestly, the main thing is I got lazy. Mm -hmm. I got really lazy and it was like, it became too much work to keep up with the like the care afterwards the hiding it the cleanup like all of that I just got tired of it even though I still wanted to do it um and in ninth grade I would stay up till like 3 or 4 a.m every single day every single day and wake up at like 6 um I was a night owl for sure and it wasn't like I had insomnia I like purposely stayed up because I liked the quiet but for some reason, I started going to bed at like 10 or like 9.30 really early. And I would get really tired. This was like junior and senior year. And so I would have the urges to self-harm because they mainly happen at night. But I just decided I would rather go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And it kind of broke the habit accidentally. Um, yeah. That's so. Did you ever go to therapy like specifically for self harming? Yeah. yeah. Oh, did I've you feel had, like that helped you? I've had like twelve therapists. Yeah. Um, mainly. Yeah, mainly it was there was some eating disorder specialized people. Mm -hmm. There was some just depression specialized, but I keep saying like I have a curse that my therapists just like get pregnant 
get married, Mm -hmm. move, graduate, all this type of stuff. So I've had a good amount of therapists and I would say um, it's helped. It's helped. I'm not in therapy right now because I'm about to move. Mm -hmm. Um, But it has helped. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And just kind of over time, it just was something that, like Mm -hmm. you said, like it just naturally kind of broke. Right. Yeah. And I got really comfortable like talking about stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's pretty easy for me to talk about now. Yeah. And I, I do have a lot of scars from it. Um, And I still haven't, like my parents don't, I haven't shown my parents or my parents haven't seen. And I've managed to hide it from them for like three summers in a row yeah I was gonna ask you like now when summer and stuff does come around like do you feel like you have to cover it up I feel that way around my family okay around my friends no I don't cover up around my friends okay um they all know about Mm it it's not something it's like not something I talk about regularly or anything they don't mention it it's just kind of there like like you don't feel like a sense of like embarrassment or shame no I I don't um like I said it's only around my family I hide it right but around like protect them yeah around other people or the public I don't it doesn't bother me Mm because I've had them for so long right that it's just my skin Mm -hmm. um Every once in a while, I do get freaked out when I see, like, an old person because I'm afraid they're going to come up to me and ask about it. Yeah. I haven't – I've had people ask about it, but I, it hasn't happened too much because a lot of times I do wear pants or stuff during the summer. Right. Um, Just out of habit mm-hmm. at this point, not even because I need to. Just because right. that's my wardrobe now. Yeah. Um, I'm wearing pants right now. <laughs> and how long has it been since you haven't? Um, I – don't know the exact amount. I would say maybe a year. Okay. But before that, it was like waning off. Like I didn't stop. Like I didn't go from doing it three to five times a day to doing it never. Like it became like once a month, once every two months. But like this is the longest that it's yeah been the longest stint of like all. it's been in like a year maybe. Okay. Um. Yeah, and before that, like my relapses, I they counted, but like they didn't really count because like. I don't know. I didn't count them. Do you have like, do you have a fear of ever relapsing again? Yeah. It's scary going to college Mm -hmm. because I'm going to be thrown into a new atmosphere, new stressors, new people, no parents. Um, But I think I'll be fine. I, I think it'll be fine. I have pretty great friends now. My friend group is great. They... Mm -hmm um know my limits they know how to deal with me um which is important like yeah you know having that support group yeah my depression's in full remission apparently that's what the Mm -hmm. doctors say so I'm not depressed but I'm also on really high doses of medicine but you know um I don't know how long I'm gonna have to be on them maybe the rest of my life I'm not sure um because it, it is genetic uh like my grandparents still struggle with stuff like that. And yeah, I one thing about my scars is I have a pretty like neutral view on them. They don't bother me, but they don't like I don't like them, but I don't yeah. hate them. It's just kind of my skin. 
I was just saying they don't define you, but they yeah. almost represent like yeah where you were at one point in life. Yeah. Um, one thing about it is that makes me upset about them is every once in a while I think about like what what like what if I get a boyfriend soon like will they throw him off or will you know like that because that's an uncomfortable topic because it really depends on the person for some people that really might throw them off and I think too like when you see somebody with scars like naturally you think oh my God, this person is so sad. Yeah. Or going through so much. Right. Like it's hard to see past that unless you mm-hmm. really get to know someone mm-hmm. and like they open up to you. Yeah. And tell you what's going on. Yeah. And a lot of people like when they do see them, they're like really worried. They're right. Like, oh my gosh, are you going to kill yourself? I'm like, it's like no, a, like I'm fine. Yeah. It's like an immediate judgment. Yeah. Not even like in a bad way, but yeah. it's like you see that and you know what's It's happening. like an association. Like you yeah. know what happened in the past and so you're worried. Right. About the person now and it's which interesting. I get yeah and it's interesting too that suicide doesn't necessarily relate to it because no, I, I yeah. can see definitely how those two things it would seem that way right and a lot of times it is correlated right but for a lot of people it's not yeah and like they will say I'm not suicidal but people don't believe them mm-hmm. which I get like you're being careful like I understand that um but I was never suicidal yeah I just wanted some way to cope right and yeah, I, I once had a guy um, that I was talking to. I like was I opened up and I was like, I have self-harm scars and I just wanted to let you know. Mm-hmm. But they're all healed. They're old and I'm fine. And he had a fetish for that. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. It was. He asked me if I would cut my name, cut his name into my body. And I was like, I'm leaving. Yeah. No. Well, good thing too that you had the self like willpower to leave because I feel like that could be a person. Yeah. That would like easily make you fall back. Take into like that. a vulnerable person and yes. trigger them. Like it. Mm-hmm. Like I could see how that would like bring you back into yeah. a habit. Yeah. In and an even more like, toxic way. So that's insane. I know. And I was like, okay. Yeah. That's messed up. Um. I'm gonna go. Mm-hmm. That's great for you. I'm leaving. Um, so it, I am worried about like future boyfriends and stuff about like either being really thrown off by them or like liking them. But I think too, like you are so open about it and honest that all it's going to take is like a normal nice guy yeah. that is just willing to listen and understand. Because yeah. it's like, I, like I said, I feel like if you were in a place where you weren't ready to open up and talk about it and you were still struggling Mm -hmm. and hiding it I think it would be more concerning for someone or like it might throw them off or be like well is she okay but I feel like the fact that you're so open about it and honest and so well spoken about it I feel like people would be pretty understated like I don't see how somebody wouldn't be because I can see why a lot of people wouldn't feel comfortable Mm -hmm. talking about it or feeling like okay well if you don't do it you don't understand right so but yeah that's that's kind of my yeah. take on I it. I do. I view – I mean, I was definitely addicted to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think people who don't self-harm still have the capacity to understand. Yeah. Because it's like any other addiction. It's like drugs or alcohol. Right. Like you drink mm-hmm. to like no longer feel a certain way or you take drugs 
Or to feel a certain way. Yeah, like right. it releases something. Um, and then it starts with maybe one drink, like once a mm-hmm. week, and then it progresses. And you know it's destructive yeah. if you're drinking like every day, like when you wake up, like if you're an alcoholic, you, re- you know it's destructive. You know you're hurting your body. You know and in the end it does result in pain, but you're stuck in that cycle. Yeah. And I think if anyone under- can understand that, like you can understand what it's like to be addicted to self-harm mm-hmm. for sure. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's incredible though that it's only been like a year and mm-hmm. you are so open and well-spoken about yeah. it because I feel like too, something that is only going to help and benefit you is accepting like, okay, this is something that I have done. This is a problem I have. This is what I've been through. Mm-hmm. But like here I am now. Right. And like, well, yeah, like it's only been a year, like, the fact that you're able to talk about it so openly mm-hmm. and, and be so honest about it, I feel like says a lot. Yeah. So I feel like for a lot of things, it takes a long time to really um, kind of like self-reflect. Right. And be very honest about where you are mentally and everything. So I feel like that to me shows that like you're on such a good path of recovery mentally. Mm-hmm. Like, because obviously like you said there, I feel like, there's things there within just genetically and within your family, like you have an addictive personality. Yeah. But I feel like the fact that you are so self-aware and honest about it makes a big difference because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times it can be something where you're not willing to admit it's a problem. Right. But I feel like yeah. the fact that you know like, okay, this is wrong and I don't really, it's not like that I want to do it. It's just something that, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just, I feel like a lot, of, it takes some people a long time to get it to does. that point. It does. I and you're young. How old are you? I'm 19. Okay. We've had some young people on the show recently. Yes, yeah. No, so yeah, I mean, you're very well-spoken about it. And I, your honesty and vulnerability is something to be proud of because it's not – I mean, like I said, I feel like naturally when people see people with self-harm scars, it is an automatic judgment or an automatic mm-hmm. thought in their head. Yeah, and I do get that because right. if I saw self-harm scars on my friend, like – it's more Even like a concern. Like, yeah. It, it's, it also is sad. Right. Because it's a visual, like, image of someone hurting. Someone hurting. Yeah. Yeah. So even if they are healed, I do get that. It's like your body's reaction. You can't. Right. You, it is sad. Yeah. It's like, see. right. You immediately, like, feel something for And it does person. take yeah. people time to get used to it. Yeah. And, like, comfortable around self-harm scars. And I'm aware of that. And but there's so many people. Yeah. It a lot yeah. of people and there's probably a lot of people too that aren't in the place you're in and still feel like they're hiding it and still mm-hmm. feel like it's an addiction and yeah. they can't escape it yet yeah. you know and I think too it's interesting that you did go back and forth between that and the eating disorder mm-hmm. it's like and all of these things are so relatable to people yeah they're very yeah and there's so many together. right and there's so many forms of like of addictions and bad habits that I think that people lean on to cope Mm -hmm. and to get through harder times in life and I think too like you said people can assume that like oh she must have had like a bad childhood or a bad life but sometimes like our brains we can't always understand why they operate the way they do or why they're wired a certain way and obviously like you said you your family does have a history of mental illness and things like that which don't help but what are you gonna do you know what I mean like you all you can do is get the help you need and hope that 
that works for you. And I think that it's, like I said, I I always say how great it is. I feel like that people are so, that come on the show are so self-aware. And I think it can really open up to help others that watch and that listen to be like, okay, I'm not alone, but also it's not, it doesn't have to be scary to get help and to realize that there's so many other people out there that like might be feeling a similar way than I feel, or maybe this is the exact same you know, experience I'm having. And I feel like it just really helps people not feel alone in something or Mm -hmm. like something's wrong with them. Because even if you're doing something like self-harming, like, yeah, it's not, it's not right to do, do to your body. And it's not necessarily the norm. You shouldn't be doing it, but there's people that do it Mm -hmm. and it happens. And all you can do is try to help others get through that. And I feel like, yeah, like how you said you saw that YouTube video, like when you were younger, like that was one aspect of it. But like, imagine if like, somebody that's younger sees this video and then like you know what I mean it's just like a different perspective of it of like I feel like it almost is comforting to know like in a different light somebody gets it but Mm -hmm. now she's getting through it like I can get through it and there's what you know what I mean it's just and I think too being able to have good support and everything that comes with that is is just as important too yeah I was really fortunate like my parents even though they are still saddened by that, they, right, they're very course. supportive. They yeah. like sent me to therapy mm-hmm. and like got me medication and all that stuff. Um, my friends are great. Mm-hmm. Uh, my school didn't send me away. So that was nice. Yeah. Even though if they did, I mean, who knows? Right. It might've been a good thing. Mm-hmm. I would say at any point that anyone's self-harming, like even if it's just once, you need to tell somebody right and reach out because it probably will progress yeah and escalate yeah and coming from someone who's self-harmed a bunch a lot more people do it than you realize yeah like a lot of people at my school have done it maybe just once Mm -hmm. maybe like just joked about it or have done it or like say they're gonna do it or you know, at, at one point or another have done it. And I would say a very large percentage of people. Mm-hmm. And it's wild. Yeah. Because I I would be aware, I would hear people talk about stuff. And because I was dealing with it, my eyes were more open to see the signs. Right. And it was pretty common. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, if I could go back in time to my fifth or sixth grade self and be like, don't even start like don't find something else like I don't something else get addicted to something positive right right. um but in a way I'm I'm not glad that I went through that throughout um middle school and high school but I feel like it has grown me as a person right I am more self-aware I'm aware of where I need to be careful with myself, um, ways to be like, I do have an addictive personality. Yeah. I don't drink and I probably won't ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if I would have made that choice if I hadn't already struggled with an addiction so young. Right. And also, like I said too, and like we were saying, there's so many people that struggle with it or that have it that you don't even know. So it it allows you to help others yeah. also and to relate and understand somebody that's going through that mm-hmm. and to almost be that person to be like, 
it's not worth it. You know right. what I mean? Or like I can tell you my experience and it's this. So, you know, so yeah. I, and I always think that that like you were just saying things, anything that you go through in life, good or bad, it'll always grow you as a person. It'll always help you become more self-aware and teach you things. And I think experience negative or positive is important because it always helps you with yourself and it helps you relate to others and make others feel because at the end of the day like everybody just wants to feel heard and mm-hmm. understood yeah and I think that's important but you did amazing though Thanks. and thank you so much for coming on and you you really are so well spoken and like it, it's you. it's amazing like how self-aware you are you're so young like we've literally had like people on that are so young and it like shocks me because I'm like when I was your age, like, I feel like I don't, I don't know that I would be able to be like that self-aware and that well-spoken because you still have your whole life ahead, but, but no, you did amazing. And thank Thank you you. so much for wanting to come on. I really appreciate it.